What comes easy for you and with what do you struggle, my friends? My name is J.D. Gorlett and I'm a pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. I welcome you back to Megan's old office. You are in the right place if that is what you seek. I am with my good friend, Keith Holmes. He's shocked by the change in the uh, introduction. Well, well, no, it's just like, well, even if you're not in the right place, listen up. It's great <laughs> stuff. <laughs> right. Are you Welcome. lost? We'll take Welcome. you. We'll just sit on down. Seeking something from ESPN? Stay here for Stay. a half an hour. We'll tell it to you about Chapter 16 of the Book of Acts. It'll be fun. It'll be great. It'll be great. Keith Holmes is the director of small groups and mission activities. We say that differently every single time we say it, backwards, upwards, downwards. It's just... He, but it's what I do. It's what you do. And so our opening question is, what comes easy for you and with what do you struggle? As I ask Keith this, his list of things that come easy to him is going to be very long, Not, and he's going to struggle very hard to come up with one thing. That's right. My, with, the, with, with what I struggle, struggle is to find something I'm not good what at. What do you do? What What's easy? Not necessarily even what you do well, but what what you know what comes easy with little effort and with what uh, is a more of a struggle for you, man. For me, and, and it, you know, as I think it through, I mean, it's funny because I'm I'm a little bit different than most people. If you haven't figured out, if you haven't listened, if you have found this by accident, you go. Little, Go back and listen, and you'll see how different I can be. Um, no, I I love to talk in public. I'm a I love to speak in public. Mm-hmm. Just just a public speaker. I mean, if I could, I would book public speaking engagements and every single day, every single day, and be on the road and and do this. And that's what I would do. I would because. Uh, you give me a mic and a and a and an audience, and I'm just as happy as a clam. <laughs> I don't I don't even have to know what I'm talking about. I'll just talk, right? And I'll tell stories. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that part. Yeah, you <laughs> have, haven't you? Yes, the poor guy is trying to get work done at his desk. You know, He's, this sounds really good, but uh, I don't I gotta, think you know what you're talking about. I got to get a sermon ready, Keith. You need to stop talking and go away now. <laughs> but with what I struggle is, um, well, probably preparations for that kind of thing, mm. where you know, I I, I almost want to go and do do it off the cuff you know skim read i know enough to be dangerous kind of thing and then just um that's good enough i i don't i i have found as i've gone through life i don't prepare as deeply as as much as i think i i I end up all it should have done Mm -hmm. so that's yeah that's probably what i struggle with is the is the 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 details you maybe. paint with a roller uh, rather than a brush then, yeah, exactly something like that yeah uh how about you well you know uh so i drive a golf ball really well that's easy <laughs> for me to do i don't putt a i, I struggle to putt a golf ball there i would go. make that would make the uh the list yeah. uh, i don't uh, mine's do that the very... second shot i can drive really well but my second shot's you struggle hard. With i can that. never put two together i i think you know along the same lines it's it's uh, it's funny because i mean be standing up in front of a group of people i always love the uh, the the joke about the, the fact that the number one fear that mm-hmm. people have is public speaking yep. the number two fear is death. So that means that they would rather be in the coffin than being the guy up in the pulpit <laughs> doing the eulogy. Uh, and yet, that's something that I do. I'm really comfortable doing. I'm like right. you. We're, yeah. we're weird in that regard. We are definitely we are. in the minority of being it. And that's comes uh, just being 
you know, the, the sermon doesn't come easy, but but uh, or the development of this of a sermon or a message doesn't come easy. But the actual standing up in front of people and just talking to people for some reason is uh, is easy. And Keith is a, is is a great example of an extrovert, uh, way over on that scale in a wonderful way. And I'm all the way over on the introvert scale, and yet somehow the same tasks, uh, uh, the same kind of task. Uh, has its appeal to both of us. It's, that's kind of fascinating. But there are things that are easy, and there are things that are just n- not very easy, and right. and uh, things that uh, that we that we struggle to do, and um, uh, and that we're always going to struggle uh, to to, right. to to do. Uh, and we could get into some very deeply more personal things about how we handle conflict, for instance, or or how we handle forgiveness and how we handle reconciliation and what part of those things, which are very important things, maybe the most important things we do as human beings, handling conflict, reconciliation, forgiveness, aspects of those things that come easy to us, uh, and then aspects of those things that are very, very uh, difficult. Uh, You know, it's very difficult to trust, but it's easy to let, maybe it's easy to let go of what happen but it's more it's really difficult to trust things like that right. that are that are That's much a, deeper the old fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me kind of thing exactly right. exactly so we're in acts chapter 16 we skipped over acts 15 because you can read that in your own time if you if you're wondering if you're missing an episode you're not acts 15 uh is important but uh, we chose to kind of move it along just part of our larger schedule um, uh, so you can read 15 in your own time. Keith's going to read, uh, what are you going to read? Uh, Acts, uh, the read, first 15 Yeah, verses. Acts 16, the first 15 verses, 1 to 15 out of Acts 16. And before I do, I want you to be thinking about this. Listener and JD, what do you see God doing in this passage, and what is he not doing? All right. So what do we see him doing, but then also, what is he not doing? Yeah. So this is uh, Acts chapter 16, 1 through 15. Paul went on also to Derb and to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because the Jews who were in those places, for they knew, they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them an observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mycenae, they attempted to go to Bethania, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Tross and took a straight course to Samotheras the following day at, to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city uh, for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we were supposed, where we 
where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who were gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Well, that's a nice invitation. Yeah, isn't that nice? So... What do we see God doing in these passages, and what is He not doing? Well, we see Him actively engaged. Uh, you know, I mean, we can assume that the, the, the dream that Paul had uh, about going to Macedonia uh, was of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, Paul and those with him interpreted it that way. It's interesting that that uh, Paul had this dream and not everyone. So mm-hmm. this is something that God is doing and not doing. Right? Uh, he's giving a dream to one and not the other. So he's he's making it so that the one has this experience and the rest of them all have to believe that this one has the ex- right. has had the experience and they have to believe that that experience or that vision is authentic and from God. And so that's an interesting thing for our lives. So it's like... Yeah. Here's God doing, and He's doing this much, and we want Him to do more. And the fact that we want Him to do more and have everybody have this same kind of experience, that just doesn't matter because God's going to do what God wants to do, and He's going to put one person in a position where they've had this ecstatic, fantastic experience, uh, and is are completely, you know, it's Paul. He's completely convinced. Well, this is the way that we have to go. And mm-hmm. he wakes up the next morning and says, "Well, Keith, we've had, I've had this vision last night. It's time to go to, you know, Macedonia or Minnesota or whatever it is. And you're mm-hmm. just supposed to just believe go that I, Paul, have had that experience. Those are two different dynamics. Paul goes to Minnesota, or in this case, Macedonia, with a completely different mentality than. Than, than you, who has to buy in. So different levels of faith, different experiences, because God acts in different ways. The other thing is, is that Paul is directed toward Macedonia, and you read, and by the way, tough reading, Keith, <laughs> reading all these different names of towns, and, and none of us really know exactly how some of these towns are, are specifically right. pronounced, and potato, potato, so let's all let's all just get over exactly how this is pronounced. Right. The point is, this is a travel log, this is the way Ale- Act, the book of Acts is, and they're moving along. Uh, and they're moving along according to the direction of God, but God doesn't tell them. He does direct them, but he doesn't tell them all the details. He doesn't tell Paul, hey, you're going to go to this town. Right. You're going to pre- uh, preach in this place of prayer. There's going to be a woman there from Thy- what was it? From Thyatira, and her name's going to be Lydia, and she's the reason why I'm sending you. He doesn't tell anything like that. Paul just has to, they presume that there was a place to pray. Uh, they presumed that they were welcome there. They presume they presumed that they were supposed to go there and speak. Right. And then they do all this. And this woman that they'd never met happens to be there, that God didn't tell them anything about. I mean, guys, this is how your life with God... We've said this over and over. We talked right. about this last week. This is the way your life with God works because this is the way God God is, not just in the book of Acts, he, but everywhere. He tells you. If he needs you to know something, he's going to tell you. But he, no matter what he tells you, you still have to go forward not knowing right. and having questions. 
And you're going to get one thing answered, and that one thing answered is going to create a thousand more questions that aren't going to get answered. Right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it, it, that's, Absolutely. That's what jumps off the page to me. So for me, it's interesting that he doesn't allow them to do what they what they think they're supposed to do. Because uh, twice, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus, as it says, denies them entrance into a place. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it, it's basically God is saying, don't go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when When... You know, all logic dictates this is the next great place to go and talk about Jesus. Right. And it's like, but what? I'm not allowed to go in there, God. But don't you think this would be a great time for me? Wouldn't that be a good use of my talents of everything like that? And God, we just have to say, no, okay, let's just move on. But we argue. I would have argued with God. I know well, I would. Well, this is a fantastic point. You know, I hadn't thought about it until you, you brought that point up. So why are you arguing with God? I mean, I agree with you. I would have been like, well, but God, it does. We this makes here. way more sense, be God. stuttering like that. Be, right. Why aren't we going this way? Yep. But the bigger question is, is why? You've thrown it out there, counselor. You brought it in. So you're arguing with God. And I would have done this in the book. There's some stuff from the book of Exodus where, where Moses and the people are... I would not have done... I would have been the guy who argues with Moses. Right. Why do you argue with God in that moment? What is well, it that is in you that causes that? For me, it's a sense of... I need that sense of security, that, that sense of I know what God wants me to do. And... And the whole idea of I, God wants me to trust in this time of complete and utter blind faith, that's hard for me. I mean, plain and simple. You're, you're like, no, I like to know why I do things. Uh, you know, I, I had the joy of studying Taekwondo, a martial art in my life. And one of the best things about our instructors at the school I attended was they always told us what the move was for, why we did a certain move. Because... Otherwise, it would be like, okay, flick, you know, flick your hands this way or throw a punch that way and do this that way. I mean, like, okay, it's just stylized dancing until you realize, <laughs> oh, we do this because it defends against this type of attack, et cetera, et cetera. Here we're saying, you know, that's, and as soon as they explain to me why, I redouble my efforts. Mm-hmm. Where God is telling me, okay, don't go to, don't go to this extremely likely place where the word of God needs sensible. to be spread, sensible. Right. And 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 I'm like, why God? And he doesn't answer. And I just sit and go, mm-hmm. you know, but I hope I've matured enough to know that I would I hope and pray that I've matured enough to know that I would say, okay, God, whatever you want, your will not mine. But I very if you highly. did say that, you'd be far better than me, and I would actually take it a little bit further in answer to why do you, you know, I, because I know better than God. I mean, it's like, I, I, you know, okay, God's directing me in this place, mm-hmm. and I scoff at it, or I argue with it, or why do I do that? Because I'm smarter than God. <laughs> we you do know? think that sometimes, don't well, we? I mean, we it's do. Good to, it's refreshing to admit. I mean, I, would, I don't go walking around telling people no. that. But I mean... That lives very strongly within me. Why don't you want me to go to Asia? Why don't you want me to go to this town? Why do you want me to go to this place? And then, oh, you want me to go to Macedonia? That doesn't make any sense to me. Tell me why. He doesn't even do that. Explain yourself, God. So there are, in answer to the question, there's lots of things that God's doing. There's lots of things that God doesn't do. And the thing, you know, there's this, this task for us and for Paul to sit there and say, you know, I don't know better than God. He's not explaining why I need to do this, but I know that I don't know better than God, and I'm going to go forward 
because I don't know better than God, and, and I'm going to find out later what this, or maybe right. I'll never find out why in the world I did this or was called to this. You're kind of answering the next question that I want to ask you, I which is... I'm which very is, talented that how way. Is, yes, he is, and he loves telling us. <laughs> how is it that Paul meets Lydia? And I think you kind of touched on a little bit because he obeyed God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the very mundane answer is he was preaching and she was there. Right. But... The obedience, right? Anything it's, else in that? In well, that? but it, it's not a deal where he sees Lydia and says, "Well, here's some, here's somebody to whom I, you know, here's her resume. She'll right. be a great person to preach right. to." It says here she went to this university. <laughs> and it doesn't say that. It, the, the only reason that they meet is because because God brought them together. And this yeah. this otherwise, from our standards, completely random place right. and random way. And we might even say. Well, it's um, a might bit lucky that uh, Paul yeah. and Lydia uh, connected there out in this middle of this garden, this place for prayer. Mm-hmm. I hate the word luck. Everybody listening, <laughs> there is no such thing as luck. Stop using the word luck and lucky because there isn't. A, Paul does not meet Lydia because of some movement of, of, of lucky of, of, chance. Of luck. There yeah. is no power in the universe of luck. Was, they meet because God uh, directs them, but yep. it's interesting and, and creates it and designs it. But the, it, it's interesting that we have the potential to, to conclude that it was luck when we know far all the whole way that it was the design of God right. that he did not reveal to Paul or to Lydia, for that matter. Right. You know? Lydia so, doesn't go to the, the park that day well, thinking, yeah. oh, well, well, I'm... Speaking you know. of Lydia, I want to know... That the next question I want to ask then is, what is Lydia before that morning and what is she after that morning? Because we're, we're now talking about this wonderful woman, Lydia. What, what was she before? Yeah. I mean, it gives us a little description of what she was. We see this. You know, when I think about, I think about the centurion. Remember, we talked mm-hmm. a few episodes ago yeah. about the centurion, who is this really good guy? He's a pious guy. He's a believer in the existence of God. He prays right. and he gives alms, and but he doesn't know Jesus Christ, right? And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what Lydia was before, but I'd like to think that Lydia. Here I am, sounding like Keith. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd like to think that Lydia is is this really uh, be, inclined towards belief and. Cl- Inclined toward towards morality and, and faith in a higher power, uh, and a faith in a higher power is a is a really a good thing. But the Book of Acts always wants you to go beyond. That's just a starting point. The belief that there is a higher power. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they, the Book of Acts and and the the entire New Testament wants you wants to direct you in that belief of a higher power towards that higher power being. Realizing that that higher power is named Jesus Christ is what? Jesus is Jesus, and knowing what Jesus has done, what Jesus is about, and what Jesus gives, and so I'd like to think that Lydia makes that kind of movement. So that's just the, simply believing in the existence of God to really knowing Jesus to Christ. knowing Christ, and I think she does. Just I mean, you know, her words for me, uh, as she says, "If I have been judged to be faithful, come with me to my house." Yeah, I mean, this is her expressing her belief now right. is, is that she gets, she gets saved and her household gets saved and then they all go back to her place. Right. And, and yeah, I just, I, for me, I think that's a, it's a gift of hospitality. You right. know, she's, she's, you know, a businesswoman. she, you know, uh, which is rare, right? That's the first thing I think of. She's an oddity yes. is what she was that morning. Right. And she still remains so, but just the idea that, you know, here she is, she deals in fabric and she's probably a very successful businesswoman in yeah. a world that's dominated by men. 
right in at this time of history. Purple cloth would have been a very expensive thing. This right. is a high end business that she runs, and right. it, it, uh, she could be completely immersed and have her identity completely immersed in that job in her yep. work. We might assume that, but now, you know, she wants to be confirmed in her identity. Uh, 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 as being a Christian, if if you if my fi- faith is real, and I want you to let me know that my it's important to me not only that my faith I have faith in Jesus Christ, but you, the experts in the field, let me know. Let me know that that I am believing in that. That's important to me now. That's yeah. the transfer. Or that's the, a great point that she she doesn't look to herself and depend on her opinion of herself. Yeah, but she looks outwardly and says to someone who she feels confident knows says. Am I am I okay? Am, yeah. Do I am I doing this? And so I, I'm pushing us along because I want to get to the second half of the chapter in 16, where we're uh, in six, uh, 16 through 40, where um, we really are just moving on uh, in this in this story. And, and so I want to ask you, what does it mean to be slaves of God? Because it's one thing to be a slave of man; it's another to be slave of God. And so let's let's take a look at. Chapter 16 of Acts, verses 16 through 40. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had been given at after they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. When morning came, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let these men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, The magistrates sent word to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul replied, We, they have beaten us in public, 
condemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison, and now they come to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. The police reported these words to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard that these were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out, and they asked them to leave the city. After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home, and when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. I love this story. Oh, I love this story. That's why I was kind of pushing us to it, because I really love this story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what does it mean to be a slave of God? Uh, well, so the, uh, the 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 girl who is possessed by a demon goes around following Paul uh, and Silas and just yelling, "These guys are slaves of God! These guys are slaves!" And it says this goes on days for a while. Days. Yeah, I mean, you've got to picture that. So they're wandering <laughs> through the streets and they're proclaiming the gospel. And this little annoying girl who is possessed by a demon is going, these guys are slaves of God. These guys are slaves of God. Finally, Paul, how long did it take before? It says Paul gets so frustrated. He just looks at the girl and casts out. I love this translation. It says he was much annoyed. (laughs) How long did it take? It was uh, days. That would have been about five minutes for me. (laughs) I don't know what in the world is going on there, but he looks at her, turns around, and all of a sudden says, I think I'll try something. And he casts out the demon, and it comes out of her, and and so she's freed of that. So it's true that they are slaves of God. Right. Paul and Silas, they're servants of God, that this uh, this is an honor for them to be that. But it's never an honor to be a slave, though. In our mentality, this is one of the challenges of an American. Right. The word slave. Right. Slavery's never good ever. And slavery didn't start with America, that's for sure. Right. Slavery is throughout scripture, and it's not, don't, please don't hear me say, because it's it's not a deal where where scripture, where the Bible affirms and, and celebrates no slavery. That is not but, true. But at all. the but the idea of being a slave to God is played against the horrors of being a slave to a, to human. a human being. Right. Yeah. So the, it is this. We don't deserve to be in relationship with God if we were slaves to God. If we were just ser- if we were servants of God, this would be this great privilege and and, and and honor for us. We have this negative view of slavery, and we should because slavery is this horrible, horrible thing. Yeah, absolutely. But, but to be a slave, a servant, to be counted as a slave or a servant of God would be about as good as I could possibly hope. But I will also make the point that Scripture makes it clear that we're better than that. Paul, in the book, the book of Romans, chapter 8, he's just about to talk about being a, a slave of God. And he, he's like, he catches himself before he makes that statement and, and declares, you're not a slave, you're a child of God. In Co-heir with Christ. Right. And so it would be this great honor for me to be a slave of God. Right. I think I But think, I'm a oh, child of God. Right. You know? That's true. I, I think back to the, the prodigal son, the, the parable of the prodigal son, where he says, I am not worthy to be your son. Yeah. Just make me one of your slaves, one great of your point. servants. That's all I need to be. And I'm happy. Right. I, I mean, I have been taken out of a pigsty of a life. Right. And I and, and I just want to be your servant. 
but the father says, no, you're my son. You're my child. Kill the fatted calf. Kill the, puts the robe on him. And I can only imagine he left the pigsty. The road does not make you cleaner as you go through, ta- you know, traveling in this time. And then he takes this just robe and he puts it over his son and he just clothes him in his, and it just, oh my gosh. Right. And that's the, I would, I would, like you, I, I'm happy to be a slave of right. God, but I'm, I am a child of God. After the prodigal son travels through all of, and, and wastes his, his father's uh, inheritance, his father's uh, resources on wild living, it says, he comes back, you're right, this is a great point you make. And he says, there's only the best I can hope for. I'm going to go right. home and I'm gonna, just going to hope to be a slave. Right. And that would be great. That's our mentality. Right. That should be our mentality. Oh, gosh, I hope that I could be a slave to God. Right. And yet it's be- we're, we're blessed to find out it's even better. We're, you think we that's never what... stop being a child. Amen. You think that's why, why he was annoyed? Because like, I'm not just a slave. I'm a child of God. <laughs> I think so. You I just, think so. Stop saying that. <laughs> right, right. I just wonder if Paul is a lot more patient, I guess, than I well, would ever but how be. Pa- and we see Paul's patience in so much, his sufferings and everything like that. To read that Paul was much annoyed, man, that's something I would never want to see from the Apostle oh, Paul. That would, be, that would be rough. Yeah, that would be intense. So, so come on, man. I got to talk to you about this jailer before we've got a few minutes left. Right. All right. So there's this. Yeah. So Paul and Silas are thrown into jail. They're put into the stocks in the middle of the prison. There's no possible... And they're in there singing hymns. <laughs> they're singing, you know, Blessed Assurance oh, and Amazing yeah, Grace. there you go. All this kind of stuff. They're in there singing uh, hymns. Of course, those songs weren't written yet, but you know what I mean. They're, they're suffering. They're about to die or be beaten and all. They've been beaten. They have been beaten, yeah. And, and, uh, and there's this jailer who locks them up and then becomes a believer through the miracle of this earthquake and this release. Yep. What is the... What does he ask when he sees this earthquake and and all the prisoners be released? What does he ask? The first thing he asks, which is the wildest thing, is what must I do to be saved? What is he really asking, though? Let's paraphrase that. How uh, how was this miracle possible? What deity, because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who sees many gods with a small g. Who is it that I need to worship? To get this is really what he's asking, I think, in my opinion, is, is like, you, this is a this is the God, the power that I need to be a part of. Because right. look what he's done. He is he has shaken the prison, opened the doors, somehow miraculously made all the shackles fall off of right. everybody, which I don't see how that's an earthquake can do. Right. And and then he they stay. They're, Paul and Silas probably just say, no, everybody stay where you are. Right. And to a bunch of people that are thinking, yeah, they're going to crucify me next weekend. I'm not staying but for they that. Do. They do. And they do. so I think that's what the jailer sees and just realizes, I, I've been wrong my whole life. When, you, when you're confronted with that amazing amount of power, you, what do you do but to say, who is it and what do I, how do I get that? And then the answer to them isn't, uh, so you're right. The, the question from the jailer is, what do I have to do? Mm-hmm. And the answer isn't, well, you got to give us money, uh, yeah. which would be the normal thing. Right. You've got to sacrifice your firstborn. This would be the Norman, normal pagan religion. Right. Uh, and certainly a part of our, our thought pattern to a large extent. It's like, okay, what do I have to do to be saved? I have to do some big... No, the answer is repent and believe. Trust, trust on Jesus. Trust on Jesus. But just believe. 
It's that simple. No, no, it's got to be more complicated, Keith. Is there a dragon I need to go fight? Right, I gotta, right. <laughs> I've got to go on some sort of big quest. Right. I mean, I, Frodo had a ring for crying out loud. Something Shrek uh, went yeah, and killed yeah. a dragon. Um, uh, there's got to be something. No, no, all you got to do is repent. Be honest about yourself. Be, yep. Take an honest inventory, confess, and, uh, and then believe, trust. Uh, no, it's got to be more complicated than that. I've got to be... It, that would be the... Na- natural reaction to the answer but that is the answer that is the answer from paul and that is the answer still to this day so then i got another question for you then what does that say about the jailer what was he before and what is he after well before he's a jailer who just does what he in question unquestionably does what he's told these guys are are criminals put them in uh into the prison doesn't matter that these are men of god he doesn't recognize that he's blind to that that's what he was before right uh and suddenly he's not blind to it you know there isn't some voice that says well the earthquake and that's all because paul and silas he presumes that he comes to that uh, under, under an invisible uh, movement of the Holy Spirit. He realizes that Paul and Silas are the men of God with the message of God. Before that, he's blind to that. He's dull of that. He's simply obedient to higher earthly authorities. Right. And now he is interested in being completely and totally obedient to, to the true authority in the, in the universe. So in some ways, he doesn't change at all. And in other ways, he changes com- in a completely radical way. Right. He, he, is, he is a jailer who's just doing the job and being obedient to, to those who tell him what to do. And now uh, here comes this movement, and he's like, uh, it, it's just this amazing moment. What do I have to do to be saved? Repent and believe. Okay, I can be obedient and and uh, and trusting of of this great authority. I know how to do that. Right. Uh, and I, I have to repent of the fact that I have given that kind of honor and trust to something less. You we, know? we 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 often say God meets you where you are. You know, you hear that. That's and it almost becomes a bit of a, a placating thing, or, or you know, a, a trite saying or whatever. Right. Okay. But here it is. This is a guy who knows how to obey authority, yeah. knows how to obey power. Right. He sees a display of power, and God has now met him where he is. Right. God is saying, all you got to do now is take the next step. Trust Christ and believe on his name, and you will be saved. Yeah. You, will, you will be in the right place now. I, just... I love that. I think that's what I see is, is that what is he before? He's he's wandering around aimlessly, and then what happens during the earthquake? He realizes, or God puts shows us, that he was exactly where he was supposed to be. It begs the question of how many people who have seen, are seeing manifestations of the power of God in their lives, but are not reacting in the same way. Exactly. It seems impossible that the jailer would not react in the way that he did, after seeing what he did. Right. And yet we know that that God is demonstrating his power in in obvious ways to people, and people are still just choosing to be blind fighting to Fighting it, and they're ap- actively fighting against right. it. Right. So we we got to be careful. It's like, okay, here's this, this fantastic moment where the jailer changes his life. He reacts in this fantastic way to the powerful movement of God in his life. We've got to be careful not to say to ourselves, oh, well, I would have reacted in the exact same way. Hmm. Oh, of course he reacted that way. How else where is he going to react? Right. Don't be so sure. Right. Amen. Don't be so sure that you would... You're that person. Human beings have the remarkable ability to have God appear or do some great thing and then then to say, well, what do you got for me? That was lucky, wasn't it? Yeah, right. No big deal. Right? Right. But that's exactly... You talked about it earlier. It's like how many of us say, oh boy, that was lucky. No, it wasn't. It wasn't lucky at all. It was God performing something in your life. Right. Right. I, I, I... 
I'm with you on that one, by the way. Well, I mean, God is, is God doing stuff in our lives every single day or not? I think he is. Yeah. And, and are we seeing it? Or are we sitting there saying, oh, great earthquake release of the prisoners, but could you do something more spectacular? You, you know what I'm saying? Great, <laughs> what else you got, God? Great, yeah, great, yeah, great job feeding 5,000 or walking on water or something like that. Well, you know. Um, remember Pharaoh, all these miracles that right. God did, in ten, all these plagues, and Pharaoh just kept on with this hard heart. We have uh. that ability. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, this has been uh, a good time, man. Yeah, Chapter thanks. I, like I said, I love this th- This book. It's one of just such a great time. And the, the stories and the wonder, the wonder of it all, just amazing. More on the Book of Acts in your next episode. And check us out uh, on these other episodes. Yeah, uh, we absolutely. Want, we're so happy to have you here to read the... Read one chapter is great, but follow along with the whole thing. is a great experience. So. We will see you next week here on Megan's Old Office. Thanks, Keith. Thank you, J.D. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash DPC Omaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at Megan's Old Office at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.